0: Oh, well, I feel like we could just go home. Some of you are going, yeah, let's go. (laughs) There's good food set up. Um, I want you to open up your Bible, if you brought one, to Mark chapter 13, page 849. If you didn't bring a Bible, we've got some along the aisles, just kind of flag them down. I want to encourage you to follow along. Um, This is... We are going to tackle a whole chapter this morning. Now, if you're a Missy O'Day person, there's a little bit of fear in your heart because, you know, I go through about four or five verses and it takes me 45 minutes to preach. Well, this is a whole chapter. So I've got till noon, right? Joking. But this, is a, this section is uh, what's called the Olivet Discourse. This is um, Jesus has just finished talking about um, what it means um, to follow after Him. He's been in the temple. He has been answering questions by the religious and political folks of His day. And He has answered them and they got to the point where they said, I don't dare ask another question. Because He has answered so correctly, it almost makes us look foolish to try to nail Him down. And so Jesus is now walking out of the temple courts and he's walking on the southern part of Jerusalem and he's going up to what's known as the Mount of Olives and he's having this discussion with his his disciples about what it's going to be like coming up next because his death is imminent. It is very near. It is probably Wednesday evening that this is happening. And as you know, Good Friday is coming soon. So Jesus is having this last minute discussion with his disciples and saying, listen, I need to prepare you because I'm going away and there's certain things that are going to be happening. So I need to let you know what's coming up next. So listen carefully. This past week, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Fort Lauderdale. Um, you would think that most of us would do it during the during the winter no, we choose to do it in the in the summer,'s kind of foolish, but we got away, and we took this uh this ride on the water taxis through the the intercoastal part of Fort Lauderdale, which is just this network of all kinds of uh, houses and it's just all these water river roads throughout these huge ginormous homes, huge and these boats 100, was a hundred with a 180-some feet were some of the larger boats. Millions and millions of dollars. Mike, throw up that that picture. Yeah, Yeah. Millions of bucks. And in these homes were people who lived there. Their job was waiting for the owner to come back. Many of these, uh, these people own homes in four or five different places. They live in other places and they vacation here or there. And so their job is to care for the grounds, to dust, to dust, to dust, and dust, and dust some more. If a speck of dust lands, they wipe it clean. They're just preparing the house or the boat for the master, the owner, to come back. They are anticipating, never knowing, when they will show up and they have got to be prepared. In the same way, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm leaving. I've told you about my death. It's imminent. The time is coming close. You too must watch out and be prepared for I will be returning soon. So follow along with me, 849. And I'm going to read this whole thing. We're not going to go through it verse by verse. But listen to how Jesus is explaining. You need to be prepared. Get ready. These things are going to be happened. But be prepared. Starting at verse 1. And as he came out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher. What wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings! And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite of the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to him, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in My name saying, I am He. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nation and Kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. But these are just the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard. You hear it? But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Namesake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to be, let the readers understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountaintops. Let the one who is, is on the rooftop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is on the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, the women who are pregnant. And for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days, there will be such great tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be safe. But for the sake of the elect, whom He chose, He shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, there's the Christ. Or look, there He is. Do not believe it. False Christ and and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then He will send out His angels and gather His elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven from the fig tree lesson learn its from the fig tree learn its lesson as soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves you know that summer is near so also when you see these things taking place you know that he is near at the very gates truly I say to you this generation or these people will not pass away until all these things take place Heaven and earth will pass away, but My Word will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like the man going on a journey. When he leaves his home, he puts his servants in charge. Each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or in the morning. Lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. In preparation for all this, um, I, I'll be honest, I was just, my mind was like, okay, where do I begin with this? Because um, if you've ever watched like the Trinity Broadcast Network on, on cable, you see some of these guys who sit in their gold chairs and they talk about, well, this happened in Afghanistan, this happened in Iraq, this happened here, this happened here, and they start to try to pinpoint when things are going to happen. And then all of a sudden you get into all these these uh, beliefs, understandings, theologies about when the end will come. Are you a pre-trib person, a post-mill, or what, are, what kind of belief do you have? And so I'm going through all this and going, okay... How do I make the most of this time with what God has given me? And what is it that Jesus is really saying here? And time and time again, he's saying. Stay awake. Be prepared. Be on guard. This whole thing about. Heaven is a, is a huge thing. And for you in your finite minds to try to nail down Jesus and nail down heaven? Ridiculous. C.K. Chesterton, a Catholic theologian, said this about heaven. It is only the fool who tries to get the heavens inside his head and not unnaturally, his head bursts. The wise man is content to get his head inside him. Heavens. So for us to say, listen, we're trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back, we're trying to figure out the exact time and what's all these things going to happen and try to calculate and get precise. Chesterton would say, your head's going to burst. True wisdom is get your head into heaven. Focus on Jesus Christ. Focus on what He has done not on all these peripheral, peripheral things. But Jesus has, in His wisdom, said, listen, certain things are going to happen and I want to tell you ahead of time so that you're not, just, um, you're not surprised nor are you discouraged. I want you to know these things are going to happen so that you're prepared. My wife and I, we'd love to throw parties. we love it. We'd love to have tons and tons of people come on over to our house. But here's where I do not do well. My wife can be a little bit fly from the seat of the pants. How many of you are like that? Oh, it'll just happen. Oh, that'll be fine. You drive me up a wall. I like to say, okay, let's sit down and let's let's look at the party. Let's look at what's going to happen. Now, Laura, tell me what's happening. When, when should we do this? When are we going to hand out that food? When are these people showing up? When do you want me at the grill? When do you want me doing this? And she tells me, and I'm just going, ah, I can handle the party. But if it's all of a sudden craziness in a zoo, my blood pressure is off the, off the charts, I start sweating and you might see it. I'll start pitting and, uh, you know, I'm just not the most pleasant person to be around. So Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to know. I want to encourage you. I want to prepare you. This is going to happen. And so they're walking out of Jerusalem and Peter says, man, Jesus, look at this monument. And you've got to understand, this temple was beautiful. It was the apple of Israel's eye. It was the place where everybody came. It was the place of worship where they had an encounter with God. Ancient historians tell us that this southwestern view of the temple, which covered Mount Moriah, which is where Abraham about sacrificed his son. It rose 200 feet above Jerusalem, cast the image of dazzling whiteness from its marbled walls and blinding fire from its, its golden dome. It, it, was, it encased. It went around the perimeter of 35 acres. It was huge. The, the stones weighed anywhere from 2 to 5 tons each. And that was without cranes. The outside exterior were polished up with other stones and materials so it would just glisten. So that when you came around the bend and you saw the temple, it would just shine. It would be radiant. And so Peter says, look at that. And Jesus says, you know what? It's going to be torn down. There won't even be a stone on top of another stone. It's all coming down. And you can imagine these young Jewish boys are going, hold on a second. This is the place where we worship Jehovah, the God of our fathers. And you're telling me the whole temple is coming down? Jesus said, yeah. What Jesus does not tell His disciples is that, listen, You yourself are a living temple. You are the place where I will reside. There's no more a need for a temple, a building, a place. Because you yourself, the God of the universe, inhabits you. He lives within you. There's no more need for that. But they they were shocked they couldn't believe it. And Jesus said, but listen, these things are, there's going to be things that are going to happen and it's not going to be pretty. And if you know that time period, they were under Roman occupation. At 168 uh, B.C., a Roman, um, and he was actually a Greek, came in uh, trying to Hellenize the, the Jewish people. Set up a God in there and that's where we get the book of the book of Maccabees, where they're talking about their rebellion against these people. But that's the temple was rebuilt. Herod did his job and he goes on to say, listen, there's going to be big things and you need to be on guard. There's going to be some painful things as you walk forward in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And we often talk about, oh, it's just sweet to be with Jesus. It's just this kind of rose petal kind of path. And it's Jesus and me. It's really nice and sweet. But Jesus says, no, there's going to be rumors of war. You're going to be handed over and you're going to be beaten in the synagogues. That's their their places of gatherings. You're going to be beaten. And you're going to go before governors and kings. And you're going to have to testify about your faith in Jesus Christ. And some of you will die. James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, died from being pushed off of the temple. A high point of the temple. He was pushed out and he didn't die. And what did they do? They clubbed him to death. One of the early church fathers, Tertullian, says this of his persecutors. He says this. You got it, Mike? We multiply whenever we are mown down by You, the blood of Christians is seed. So every time You persecute us, every time You you punish us, You restrict us, somehow our testimony is seed. And we continue to grow. Talk about the persecuted church in Asia, in Europe, You want to talk about where the fastest growth is in the church? It's not in America. It's in the persecuted areas. And Jesus goes on to say, listen, when you stand before these kings and these governors and you have to testify before the religious people of the day, do not worry about what you have to say. Don't worry about it because... I want you to say what's been given to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak for you. Speak from your heart about your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's something that we look forward with these little kids. We look forward to the day where they are able to speak from their heart their love for Jesus Christ. We pray that it's not in a time of deep persecution. But if it is, we pray that they have the strength... And the love for Christ to be able to stand up and say, this is the Jesus who has died for me and I will do whatever it takes. And this was a great encouragement to hear Mark say this. One, one of the, the commentators said, said this, when we, when we remember that most of the early Christians were simple and unlearned people for whom a speech in court would have been a terrible ordeal, we realize how much such a promise will have meant to them. That's some of you too. If I'd say, hey, uh, Dave, Schistler, come on up and share your faith in Jesus Christ. He might wet himself right here. There'd be such fear. And not, no, he's a man's man. But there's this, this fear of standing in front of people and saying, share, who is this Jesus Christ? And all of a sudden your heart does what? You know, public speaking. That's why most of you are here. There, not here. There's this fear and they're saying, listen. Do not fear. Let the Spirit speak. And it even says that the Gospel must be preached. The good news of Jesus Christ must be preached to who? All nations. So for Jesus to come back someday... The good news of Jesus Christ must be proclaimed to the entire world. Every language, every people. It doesn't matter. And so, for some of us, that means that we've got to get out of our vanilla village and share the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and broken world, to people who are not like us, who have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Never. Never. Last week in children's ministry, there was a little girl as they were sharing the the Bible story who had never heard about Jesus. Never. That blows me away. But we have the responsibility to preach the Gospel. It's said that preaching is the one human act that can expedite the demise of all present evil, oppressive, and suffering-filled existence. It's the, the preaching, the proclaiming of the Gospel. In your workplace, proclaiming the Gospel. In your casual time, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Here and abroad. Wherever it is. And Jesus goes on to say, listen, some terrible things are also going to happen. And this was looking forward to 70 A.D. when the temple was just going to be obliterated. When Titus was going to come in and march and circle around the entire temple and shut it down. Terrible things happened. Terrible. It it said that the roofs of Jerusalem were thronged with famished women with babes in their arms. The alleys with corpses of the elderly. Children and young people, swollen from starvation, roamed like phantoms through the marketplace and collapsed wherever their doom overtook them. There was no lamenting, no wailing, because famine had strangled their emotions. Jerusalem couldn't bury their their bodies because they were surrounded by the Roman government. So what did they do? They threw bodies over the walls. And silence was only broken by the laughter of robbers who stripped the bodies. It says here, when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not be, it's pointing towards Titus erecting a statue of himself in the temple and obliterating the whole temple. And from that, great persecution came. And she said, listen, I'm going to give you a heads up. When you see that idol being erected, get out of Dodge. If you're out in the field, take whatever you have and go. If you're on the rooftop, don't go into your house and gather stuff. Get out. Go. And from that, the people, where the majority of Christians were at that time, Spread. Due to persecution, the gospel spread. It went out. It was not an easy time. And here's the thing. For us, while Christians today do not experience, most of us today do not experience anything even close to this kind of terrible suffering. We may think our life is rough, don't we? Man, I lost a job. Or my finances aren't in order. or I suffered this or they suffered that. You know what? Compared to this, it's a blip on the screen. But we also share our persecution in some way until Jesus returns. And His warnings in this message in Mark chapter 3, are consistent take heed pay attention stay awake be on guard don't be discouraged don't quit watch and pray keep your eyes open keep looking keep watching for Jesus keep your eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of your faith in spite of whatever is going on in your life. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and Him alone. That's where it's found. In Titus chapter 2, it says this, For the grace of God has appeared, which is Jesus, bringing salvation for all people, training us To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, the now, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. He's saying, Listen, live today. Don't be just waiting for tomorrow. Even Martin Luther, the great German reformer, said, somebody asked him, What will you do? What would you do if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow? He said, You know what I'd do? I'd plant an apple tree. And that's even a word for us today. Some of us are so just expecting Jesus, just come. Here it's saying, Listen, it's great that you're waiting for the blessed hope and the reappearing of Jesus' second advent but in the meantime train us to renounce ungodliness worldly passions and live self-controlled upright and godly lives today live for today follow closely after Jesus Christ second timothy talks about um let me find it real quick like second timothy talks about um that a certain godlessness, a certain um, God-absentness is going to be found in people. And he says, but listen, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing that whom you have learned it and how from a childhood you have been acquainted with the wise, the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. For all Scripture is God-breathed. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. And for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, my last will and testament to you, keep your eyes focused on Christ. Things are going to be happening. Keep your eyes focused on Christ. Keep your eyes focused on Him. And he says, you need encouragement. It's scripture. If you're around Missio Day long enough, you're going to find out that I'm, I'm basically a literalist. I believe what it says, literally. I believe that if you try to culturally wipe things out, you're taking away the authority of Scripture. You want to live wisely today? You take this for its word. You don't become uber-educated and say, well, you know what? That was for that time, that age. We've got to find new meaning. Who are you, God? Get over yourself. Live wisely today, falling deeply in love with Scripture. But ultimately, the clue, and this is where I'm going to wrap it up, the clue for surviving difficult days, which we see in the Gospel of Mark, and the secret of all the life of the the disciple, is to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ. Follow closely after Christ. The way that He took for our salvation was death and resurrection. You hear that? The way that Christ achieved our salvation was death and resurrection. He went the way of the cross and, and God raised Him from the dead. In the So in the same way, we are called to take up our cross. No matter what the circumstances are in our life, we're to take up our cross and to follow day by day in faith that day by day, God will raise us to new life with Him. And we'll experience that same kind of resurrection life. And as we die to all to which He died, we shall live to all to which He rose. So as times in our life is are difficult. As times in your you feel pressed in on every side. My encouragement no matter where you are in your faith. Where you are in your journey. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. That's it. The one who died a death that no one in here could die because He's the perfect One. The righteous One. The sinless One. He died a death for me. For you. Daily, take up your cross and follow after Christ. Whatever it is that you need to put to death, put it to death. If it's lust if it's pornography, if it's adultery, if it's lying and deceit, if it's gossip, if it's any kind of sexual sin, if it's greed, anything, if it's divisiveness, put it to death. Pick up the cross. Follow after Christ. And He will raise you to a new life in Him. Fun thing on baptism mornings is that we celebrate two sacraments. The first one talks about God and His promises. That someday, this child will be able to proclaim his, his or her faith in Christ. And so, this was our anticipation of what God is doing and will be doing in the lives of our children. But we get to celebrate communion as well. Where believers, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, come together and we celebrate what Christ has done in our life. And we celebrate What He is continuing to do. So in a moment, we're going to celebrate communion as a family. We celebrate it by means of intinction, which basically means you'll be coming to uh, two spots over here and you'll be offered the bread first. The body of Christ broken for you and you'll take a piece of bread. You'll go to the next station and there'll be a cup the blood of Christ poured out for you. You dip it in and then you say, Amen. But this is a meal that is is reserved for those who believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and have confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, where you have given your life to Him. This is a time of family celebration of Jesus Christ's work in our lives. So if you have not yet come to that place. Please don't do this out of ritual. Please don't do this out of man, I feel a little awkward. I should be getting up there doing it. This is a time of confessing with your heart Jesus, I've fallen short again, but by your grace and your mercy you have forgiven me. And we celebrate it with communion. If you need to just sit back and not take partake, that's cool. We're the kind of church where you can do that. But if you are going to be partaking in communion, I want to encourage you to first examine yourself. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread with His disciples and He broke it. And he said, this is my body. Broken for sinful people like you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup of blessing and he poured it out. And he said, this is... My blood that is poured out for you. Though your sins were of scarlet, they are now white as snow. Take some time. Examine yourselves. With those who are uh, serving, please come forward. This is also our time of receiving benevolence, which is our way of giving back to those who have, uh, have nothing. There'll be baskets on either side, so that is also available for you during this time. So come, for all things are ready.